Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 20th of June, 2022. Happy Monday. Happy, happy. I hope you had a great Father's Day weekend. Um, we celebrated Juneteenth. Whatever. <laughs> I'm just so sick of these things being crammed down my throat. Nothing against it. It's against the uh, leftists who cram it down our throats. I'm Derek Hunter. I am your host, Welcome to the program. We'll get to it directly. Don't forget about going to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast. That will uh, get you access to contests, extra shows, bonus stuff. Support for the program is much appreciated. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast and DerekHunter.locals.com. All right. I will announce the winner of the autograph book or books at the end of the program for this week and next week's entrant. So you'll just have to stick around for that. Let's start the show. Well, Joe Biden has uh, his vacation retreat. He spends this every weekend that he can. You can't blame him, but he's supposed to be president of the United States. He spends his weekends down in Rehoboth Beach. So while we were down in Rehoboth Beach, and I, I met the guy from the radio station, I talked to a couple other people, a couple employees, because this is right where, like downtown the boardwalk area, boardwalk's only two miles long. Is it two miles? Yeah, it's two miles long. Or is it a mile? I think it's a mile long. Yeah, because you have to go down and back to this. It's a mile long. Joe Biden's new mansion, newest mansion in Delaware is probably a half mile north of where the boardwalk ends. But he comes to town and he disrupts everything. It's a very small downtown area. With the president being that close and anything that goes on, anything that upsets anybody, anything that rocks the apple cart, the Secret Service always overreacts. You can't blame the Secret Service for overreacting. because They're trying to protect the president's life. But it causes a lot of animosity to the natives, and I assume to the uh, vacationers, when you get locked down for two hours because somebody flew into Georgetown Airport. It's not Georgetown, D.C., it's Georgetown. Their small airport for small planes is called Georgetown. The guy that I met uh, told me about how a couple weeks prior, Joe was in town, and somebody decided, you know, like a free sentient human adult they decided to fly their small you know prop plane four-seater into georgetown airport they didn't get permission because they'd probably done it a thousand times beforehand so they fly in and this causes a panic now, it's got to cause a bit of a panic. You'd think common sense would prevail more quickly than it did. But, you know, the, I, I worked in uh, Capitol Hill on Capitol Hill, and any time a plane would breach the perimeter or not uh, on approach to Reagan, everything was shut down and people were told, get out of the building, look out, they're coming for you. Uh, it was, and put on your chemical suits and your biological suits you had sitting on your desk. It's, it's a little disconcerting the first time. But you, you did it, and you got used to it, and it was never all that long. They realized pretty quickly that this person was just out and didn't know what the hell they were doing or where they were, and they were not a terrorist threat. 
this guy flies into Georgetown Airport unannounced, unplanned, unpre-approved of, and they put the whole city on lockdown. They put Joe Biden allegedly into the beast and drove him to the fire station. I assume, I don't know why, it must be fortified or something. But that's where they decided to set him up and, and held him in there for two hours and shut down everything within two miles of the fire station for two solid hours while they investigated what was going on with this plane. That's all of downtown. That's all of the boardwalk. That's everything. So the people down there are not particularly happy that the president of the United States loves to vacation there because it's wildly inconvenient. He rides his bike and that shuts everything down. And you just see this senile, doddering old fool riding his bike and waving. And then he goes and get ice cream. And he, we got ice cream at the place where he gets ice cream. He goes and gets ice cream. And that shuts down everything too. And I don't know if you know this. But uh, at least when Trump was president, I imagine this is the same when every, there's every president. I don't think they'd have different protocols. When you're around the president of the United States at an event, your cell phone stops working. I mean, you, you can open up apps, you can take pictures and whatnot, but your service is gone. They shut it down in case there's something that, you know, you, some device that you can trigger through your cell phone. They don't want, they want to be able to deny you of that. I remember when I was doing shows from CPAC, a few years ago, and Trump would come, and uh, he's there. I was just there. I wasn't on the air at the time, but they'd shut down. Suddenly, the phone goes. It's worthless. It's like, what is going on here? I can't send an email. I can't send a text. I can't do anything, and it's because they suppressed all of that while the president is there. Now, imagine that on a mass scale at a major vacation destination for people on the East Coast. And you begin to see why maybe uh, Joe Biden might not be their favorite person, even if they'd voted for him in the past. Of course, if they voted for him in the past, they did this, did this to this country. You know, So it's hard to feel any sympathy for people suffering when they unleashed this monster. Anyway, we've got a lot of stuff to get to. Just wanted to convey that and say, if you, are, if you haven't been to Funland, uh, look it up and go. Somebody sent me a, an email about Storyland or something like that in New Jersey up by Atlantic City. There are apparently lots of places like this. If you got young kids or grandkids, you got to take them to these things. It's well, well worth it. Anyway, uh, of course, the world doesn't stop spinning just because somebody's enjoying catching some free vitamin D. And God, I just took my watch off. I got uh, a hell of a tan line. <laughs> <laughs> lovely lovely i don't know what watch uh it doesn't stop just because you're out of town and joe biden doesn't stop being a moron just because i'm out of town either he actually seems to intensify it i want to play you this one clip it's a very short clip the uh the president had a bunch of corporate people to the white house the other day and one of them was the the uh the team from Joanne Fabric and their CFO recently passed away unexpectedly. And I just want to demonstrate how, I don't know, uncouth the president is. Maybe this is another sign of senility when you're sitting there and you're losing your, your ability to, I don't know that Joe Biden ever had an ability to relate to human beings, to be honest with you. He's been uh, in government most of his life 
And so you don't really have the ability to relate to human beings when you're that's your reality and people suck up to you because you distribute a bunch of money and you can help them or break them and he's got to find subtle and creative ways to steer them towards you got to pay off hunter and then then you'll get what you want but if you don't pay off hunter you're not going to get what you want but he can't come out and say it he's got to find a new way to say it but he decided to acknowledge the death of the cfo of joanne fabrics um in the most, well, almost, the only way he could have done this more tastelessly is if he'd said, and I heard his wife was pretty hot, and now she's single, and I might hit on her. That would be slightly more classless than the way Joe Biden went about it. Just listen uh, to him. And by the way, my sympathies to your the family of your F, uh, uh, your CFO, who uh, dropped dead very unexpectedly. My best to their family. It's tough stuff. <laughs> tough stuff. It's just tough stuff. I hear he just dropped dead. He just dropped dead the other day. Was his wife good looking? Is his daughter of age? What kind of hair products do they use? What kind of a human being, an adult human being, almost 80 years old, goes about giving condolences like that? Hey, sorry your buddy dropped dead. Like, that's something you say when you're about to fight somebody? That's that's something Ivan Drago would say to Rocky after he killed Apollo Creed. Sorry, your buddy's dead. <laughs> but the president of the United States, hey, uh, sorry your CFO dropped dead. But on the plus side, uh, Hunter's available. If you don't have a drug testing policy or any prohibition against using the corporate credit card to pay hookers, I think you could maybe hire my son. There'd be a big government contract in it for you. <laughs> how do these people, I don't know how you can be with this administration and um, and just sit there and take this and sit there and accept this and think this is this is good. This is normal. This is fine. This is not fine. This is not how a normal human being acts. Sorry your buddy dropped dead. Hey, man, it's a, it's a drag, but uh, you can hire my son. I'm surprised he didn't say Hunter. I want to play you some audio now of... Um, where do we start? It's, I guess it's all kind of weaves together. Uh, no, no, I want to I do this one because right now we have a situation where you... You probably worked from home at some point during the pandemic, right? Or uh, if you could, if you had a job that you could work from home, you likely worked from home at some point. You're probably back at work. I, I personally wouldn't want to be in the commercial real estate business right now because I think that that is, uh, I think the pandemic showed most companies that they simply have way too much floor space, square footage way more than they need. And uh, I think that leases will be renegotiated or defaulted on or whatever, or people will just not renew and get the hell out of there. As they go forward, people will work from home. It gives people a lot of freedom working from home. I work from home a lot. I love working from home. Especially now with gas prices being 50 bucks. Oh, by the way, we because the in-laws are in town, so there were seven of us. Is that seven of us? No, there's six of us going to the ocean 
and uh, bags. And my wife, you, you tell her you're going to visit the neighbors for a couple of hours, and she brings like two suitcases with her. I don't, she packs everything under the sun. And so I told her, you got to pack light, you got to pack light, you got to pack light. I don't know how much room we have. We have a, a, a Kia that can has three rows of seats. So I said, uh, you know, we're going to get something that's a SUV or whatever, but they don't always have an SUV. We might end up renting something that's very similar to what we have. There won't be a whole lot of room to pack stuff. So pack light, pack light. And she did it. You know, she did it. And then we went to the rental. I went to the rental car place, and it was a Chevy Suburban. I don't know if you've ever driven a Chevy Suburban. I felt like my rap album was going to drop on Tuesday, or I was the president of the United States. This thing is giant. You need like a boating license to drive this thing. And that meant that uh, there was just a ton of stuff, ton of space in the back. And so, upon hearing of this, my wife started cramming everything into another bag. And we're like, okay, well, there goes all the space we got. And then we bought a million things for the little little crumb crunchers while we were there. So it was out of control. Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't even remember why I went off. Went off why I went off. Yeah, so, okay, gas, that's right. I, uh, I said, well, I, I wonder how, I can't imagine this thing gets a lot of gas mileage, right? And you, you get the miles to empty. Miles to empty. And it was 504 miles to empty when I picked it up. I'm like, whoa, this tank must be a swimming pool. So we drove all the way to Rehoboth Beach. It's like 300 and some miles because you can't go straight there. You got to go around the Chesapeake Bay. And I, it was a quarter tank. It was actually less. No, it was actually a little bit more than a quarter tank. It was, more, it was closer to a quarter tank than it was to half a tank. And it still cost 50 bucks to fill up that little bit while we were there. So it's like, damn. I don't know how people how people live with that thing. So the added benefit of working from home is you don't have, I mean, if you have a gas guzzler, I don't have gas guzzlers, but if you have a gas guzzler like that, it, to be fair to the Chevy Suburban, it actually was a hell of a lot better with gas than I thought it would be because it, it only cost $40 to fill it up when we got home. I don't know how that, maybe I drove better or didn't floor it as I think I was going pretty fast though on the way back, but whatever. Now you get all these people who now want to work from home because gas prices, because everything and your private company's probably telling you, you can't do it. You can't do it. We need you in the office for whatever reason. And besides you signed up for this government is a different racket. Government is a completely different racket. Government doesn't care. For one thing, they just don't care. And so they uh, had a hearing up on Capitol Hill with officials from the Biden administration, with Senator Bill Cassidy from Louisiana, asked three heads of various departments in the Biden administration when the last time they were in their office. Now, you've been forced to go back to work for some time. Government overpaid, pension-heavy, great benefits, and they still get to work from home. Now, what's weird is these people, one of them kind of answered. The other two, Gail Walensky, or no, not Gail, Rochelle Walensky from the CDC and the Undersecretary of HHS, I can't remember her name, it doesn't matter, I think it's O'Connell, they won't answer. And you want to hear the most typical and frustratingly annoying Washington, D.C. 
congressional testimonial answers. Listen to this. It's a little bit long, but listen to this clip and listen to these people. Basic questions, simple questions, and they just won't answer them. They won't answer them because they don't want you to know. And you're supposed to be, they're supposed to be accountable to us. And they have no interest in it because of the arrogance of their position. Ms. O'Connell, how many days in the last month were you physically in your office? The vast majority of those days. Can you give me a number? I mean, it's so frustrating. I've never been able to get a straight answer from one of you as to how many days you are in the office and what is the return to work policy. So just give me how many days this past week. And if it's five, I'm, I'm pleased. How many, five, how many days in this last week? So HHS has continued its return to work uh, starting in April. We're bringing everybody back. No, by how the many end days of June. have you personally been in your office this last week? Multiple days, okay. of course. This is not hard to remember. It's only five days. And if you dissemble, it makes me think that you've not been in the office and you don't want to give me a straight answer. And I'm speaking on behalf of the American people who are paying taxes and a lot of salaries, and they think people aren't showing up to work. How many days in the last five were you physically in your office? We continue to work. Okay, Dr. Caleb, how many days in the last five were you physically in your office? I was down in North Carolina Monday and Tuesday because the two 18-year-olds that you met at my confirmation okay, then, hearing then a graduated week ago. from then, high then Give me five days when there wasn't a family issue. Go the previous week. I, I, five uh, every day when I've been in Washington and not on business travel, I go into the office at White Oak. Okay, I, I get that. So, so every day you're in Washington does not mean that when you're that you are here. So are you either doing business travel and part of FDA, are you phys and, and, but if not, you're physically in your office? It, yes, except for um, family events like Dr. Walensky, graduation. how many days in the last five were you physically in your office? So I'm not in my office today, but I feel like I'm working on No, site. no, no, don't feel like. How well, I believe days? I'm working on site. So I have been in, uh, uh, I've been traveling, so I've been in my office Two, and I've been traveling for two. One of them I was, in fact, in your... So in the last yep. month, do you typically work out of Washington or do you work out of your home in the Northeast? We're an agency at CDC. Uh, boy, it's really hard on to get the a work, straight answer. On the job work. And in we, fact, some of our work is in your, in your state. When I you get that. To I get that. They just can't give you a straight answer. They just... Well, no. They won't give you a straight answer. How many days? Well, uh, who's to say what a day is? Honestly, a, a day can begin at, at, at somebody else's day's end. So, I mean, uh, and which time zone are you talking about? Are you, which side of the international dateline are you on when you're asking this question? And which side are you mentally on while you're receiving this question? All of these things must be answered before anybody could possibly tell you that these people and their employees are working from home as much as humanly possible because they can. They can. Now, when I started out in working in retail and you know you get oh you get a uh, half an hour for lunch and you go to the food court in the mall and you play some video games and you eat your arby's or whatever it is and then you go all right well it's been 25 minutes but you, you go back at 35 minutes you don't go i should go back now it's a five minute walk or whatever nope you wait a little bit longer you take advantage of it you you shade the areas if you're opening the store when I was third key at the record store, you're supposed to be there at uh, at 9.30. The store doesn't open until 10, but you've got uh, things you got to do. 
You got to put the money in the register, get it out of the safe, make sure that everything is neat, even though the people the night before were supposed to do that. Blah, 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 blah. But if you show up five minutes before, you can get all that stuff done. Sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes your car is having issues or there's traffic or whatever it is that keeps you from going in on time. And other times you just go, you know what? It's a particularly good episode of Scooby-Doo. And I'm not really sure who of the elderly carnival owners is going to be the one who has their face exposed when the mask is ripped off. So I'm not ready to leave yet. I've got I don't really have to be there till 10. That's you're cheating the company out of a half an hour's pay. Now, when I was paid, they were cheating me out of a half an hour of life. But that's beside the point. You're supposed to grow out of that. These are supposed to be responsible adults in positions of respect and authority where they have power over your life. And they're supposed to be held accountable, responsible through government oversight through the United States Congress, the Senate being one of the two houses of the United States Congress. So when they ask questions, they're supposed to be given answers. Now you're hearing supposed to post to post, which means they're not getting any of these things, that none of these things are true. They can't tell you. They won't tell you. And in there not telling you, it tells you everything, doesn't it? Even the one guy is like, well, I'm there most days, but last week, I... just shut up and answer the question. There's a game that is played in congressional testimony. You'll notice it every time there is a hearing. Every time there is a member of the House or a member of the Senate asking questions, there's a clock ticking. And all you've got to do if that... Uh, person asking those questions is from the other team is run out that clock so that clock starts running whether and keeps running whether or not you actually give an answer to a question it doesn't matter if you don't give an answer to a question hey uh do you know where you were on the night of january the 16th mr hunter well i tell you all throughout january i was mostly at home but uh, you know in some of the evenings we did go out to dinner a couple of times and uh, i that's a great tie all of that counts i'm not answering the question they can start yelling they can come back and say answer the question answer the question and all you have to do is refuse to answer for either so long they give up and you're, they realize that they've got to get to other questions. And so they stop that line of question if you don't want to answer that question or just run out their five minutes. And the Senate, they usually get more time. In the House, there's so many members. You have like a 40-member committee. It's really kind of pathetic. You'll never see anything more pathetic. Speaking of, this didn't happen in the House uh, for very good reason. You watch a House committee hearing you will notice that there's just a huge number of chairs and spots for members of Congress up on the dais up there, right? And there may be five members up there at any given time because they know when their time is. And if you're number 32 and everybody gets five minutes and then there's breaks, when you have a staffer sort of monitor, they're in there. What a horrible job that is to sit there. This is why people hate working in the House, especially low-level staffers. They have to sit there and calculate roughly when it is their boss's turn is going to come up so they can shoot an email or a text to somebody to say, all right, I guess you got to go down there. And Because if you watch a, a hearing, 
you'll hear the same questions over and over and over and over and over again. And you go, why are they asking the same question? Sometimes it's because they want their chance to ask the question so their constituents, their their donors can go, they ask the right questions. And other times it's just because they're not there. They don't listen. They don't attend. They don't care. It's the ultimate working remotely. You work remotely while you're there. So these people come in and they ask these. Now, the Senate, you get like 10 or 15 minutes of questioning. So you can drill a little bit deeper. But all you still you got to do is run out that clock. And that's what these three clowns are doing. Well, I tell you, I, I try to work from the office every day I can. But my children just graduated. Okay, congratulate. The, the card is in the mail, dude. Answer the damn question. All right. The people who can't shut up about irrelevant things, things that are completely irrelevant to their job, are the people who are least competent in doing their jobs. And they desperately don't want you to know what they're doing, what they're up to. I'm going to shift it up a little bit. I just I love those appointees. They're like, well, I don't know. I, I couldn't possibly tell you when I was in town last time. Why? Well, I go to the office. How often do you work? In Every chance I get. What does that mean? It means every chance I get, it means nothing. It means stop asking me questions. It means I don't show up to the work very often because I get a government paycheck. And who's going to hold me accountable? The senile moron in the White House? No way. They're over there trying to prevent him from saying anything that can be held against him. They're terrified of it. So clearly, they aren't going to hold me accountable. Anyway, speaking of that guy, and when not pointing out, oh, sorry, your CFO dropped dead. Sorry, your CFO kicked a bucket. Sorry, your CFO uh, assumed room temperature. Like, honest to God, how do you? He's almost 80 years old, and he still can't just be a decent human being. He still doesn't have that in him. This is what I mean when I say Joe Biden is a bad person. Not that he's just senile and he's bad. No, he's been a bad person his whole life who's now just senile. Uh, in addition to that, he's been lying constantly about inflation. Joe has this new, uh, they've gone through everything. Everything is not really happening. Inflation isn't happening to when Ukraine, and you know, it's no wonder that uh, Biden's incompetence, if we thought it was incompetence that blocked punishing Russia that emboldened Putin to be able to go and invade Ukraine when he lobbied Democratic senators to block sanctions against Russia uh, before the war. We thought that was just incompetence or maybe it was somebody paying Hunter. But no, I think they probably wanted the uh, prospect, the possibility, the ability to blame an invasion of Ukraine on, uh, for anything and everything. It is responsible for inflation. It is responsible for the supply chain. It is responsible for the baby food shortage. It is responsible for the oil prices. Somehow this one little skirmish that the whole world has lost interest in is responsible for everything, for everything under the sun. Isn't that weird how this one thing can be responsible for everything, even though most of the things that it is responsible for had started happening long before the invasion? Yeah, oops, that's a wildly inconvenient truth. You're not supposed to say that, are you? Are you allowed to say that? I don't know. 
Anyway, listen to Joe Biden say that inflation, he says, well, yeah, you got it bad here, but everybody else, everybody else has it better or has it worse than we do, which is a hell of a comparison. You think I suck? Well, other people suck more. It's not exactly the halftime rallying speech that is going to cause the greatest comeback in football history. Just saying. And I've said many times, tackling inflation is my number one priority. Inflation, there's no solace as inflation is higher around the rest of the world and gas prices are higher everywhere else in the world. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Inflation is higher everywhere else around the world. You think, oh, well, well then we must got it pretty good. We got it pretty damn good, except for the fact that these are the latest numbers. These are the latest numbers just from the G20. The rest of the world, it's even worse. But just from the G20. Our inflation last quarter was measured uh, last month. Let's see, where was it? It was 8.6% year over year. China, it's 2.1%. Okay, that's the lower the number. Think of this as golf. The lower the number, the better off you are. The lower your inflation, the better off you are. China, 2.1%. Okay, you don't really trust China. That's fine. It's understandable. Saudi Arabia, 2.2%. Okay, again, we don't really trust Saudi Arabia. It's Saudi Arabia. They, they're they not the nicest people in the world, especially to the Jamal Khashoggi's of the fine. All right, we'll cross Saudi Arabia off the list, too. We'll go to Japan. Do you trust Japan, lefties? I think you should trust Japan. Japan's inflation rate year over year, 2.5%. Much, much lower than 8.6% in the United States. No, um... It's been a while since I've looked at an actual globe, but I do believe that Japan is part of the rest of the world. I could be wrong, but I believe that to be the case. Switzerland, ah, you don't trust Japan. Maybe you're a holdout from World War II. You don't trust Japan still. Then how about Switzerland? Their inflation rate is 2.9%. 2.9%. That means if you got a 5% raise, you're still ahead of the curve. You still are making more money real in real terms than you were the previous year. Indonesia, 3.55%. Australia, the down, land down under. They're at 5.1%. Sacre bleu France, only 5.2% inflation year over year. Now, is it creeping everywhere around the world? There is inflation everywhere around the world. Yes, there's always inflation There's always inflation everywhere around the world. But Joe Biden told us that inflation was worse everywhere else around the world. Now, maybe he's working off of some globe from his youth that doesn't have the rest of the world on it. But uh, I don't think so. Singapore, 5.4%. South Korea, 5.4%. South Africa, 5.9%. They say, well, that's the confusing. That's the other side of the planet. It's weird stuff goes on on the other side of the planet. Joe Biden is really only speaking about this side of the planet, right? Well, no, it doesn't hold either. Canada, our neighbors to the north, led by Justin Castro, 6.8% inflation. You want to go a little bit further south to Mexico? It's 7.65%. Again, both this hemisphere, our northern and southern border, both lower than the 8.6% inflation here in the United States of America. Why are the so-called fact checkers? The president of the United States is lying. 
lying. And he's not being called out for it. In fact, of the G20 members, let's see, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, only seven have higher inflation rates than the United States of America. And they have last month's numbers. Um, The UK is higher now. The UK was lower last month. And Spain was tied with us last month in there, one-tenth ahead. So realistically, Joe Biden isn't even anywhere close to telling the truth on this thing. Now, gas prices is another thing he says. Gas prices are lower than the... Well, gas prices are lower in the United States than the rest of the world because they tax the absolute crap out of gas in the rest of the world. They also sell it by liter, not by gallon. And they tax it by liter, not by gallon. That adds to the price. Again, it's a couple dollars more per. But if you've listened to leftists over the last, I don't know, pick your number of years, 10, 20, 30 years, they don't talk about us having lower gas prices as a selling point to the greatness of the American economy relative to the rest of the world. They talk about it as we need to mimic ape the rest of the world in raising our gas prices through taxes and regulate taxing of companies, taxing of the oil companies, taxing of the sale of it. We want to tax the hell out of gasoline. They want to make gasoline more expensive. Why? Because they want people to drive less to save the planet. So when the president says, well, we've got lower gas prices than everywhere, we've always had lower gas prices than everywhere else. But when, so measuring it against that is part of the, if you get to choose the unit of measure, you, uh, you'll always come out ahead that I say. But the real unit of measure is against itself. Gasoline is more expensive than it ever has been. It's not even close. It's not even close. Don't let them shift the goalposts and say, well, relative to the rest of the world, because two years ago, relative to the rest of the world, we had lower gas prices. Two, ten years ago, relative to the rest of the world, we had lower gas prices. So saying it now as some sort of selling point is bogus, is a lie, is a scam, is sleight of hand. The real issue here is what do we do going forward? And that brings us to John Kerry, the horse-faced former Secretary of State, who is now the climate czar for senile Joe Biden. At an event recently, he said unequivocally, we don't need more drilling. If you want to bring down the price of oil, if you want to bring down the price of gas, you have to produce more. It's pretty simple market basics 101. But when you are a child born rich who married a billionaire, he married his first wife was extremely wealthy. And then he upgraded, at least in the money department, um, to a billionaire who inherited her money when her husband died because his family had invented ketchup. What a, what a world they live. What an incestuous world they live in. But John Kerry was unambiguous. We don't need more drilling. We don't need more drilling. We've got to fight climate change. It doesn't matter how much you're suffering. He does, they don't care 
if you can't pay your bills or you can't take a vacation or you can't go visit family, you can't do anything. They don't care. This is what they want. The only time they pretend it isn't is when you're catching on to that. And then they say, oh, no, we've got to do something to stop this. Listen to John Kerry. And energy security worry is driving a lot of the thoughts now about, oh, we need more drilling of that. We need more drilling of this. We need to go back to coal. No, we don't. We absolutely don't. And we have to prevent a false narrative from entering into this. Or again, uh, pun intended, we are cooked. Pun intended, we are cooked. We have to prevent this. We have to, you know, when you marry Teresa Hines Carey, a billionaire, you don't care what the gas prices are. You don't even know it. Forget your car, the driver of your car. John Kerry's had so many government jobs, he probably doesn't even drive his own car, hasn't driven his own car in forever. You don't even care how much it costs to fuel up the private jet. You simply don't give a damn. And he has never lived a life where he's had to give a damn. So he can't understand people like us who go, this is, this kind of sucks. This is tough. This is, this is not good. This is not good. He doesn't know. He doesn't care. Then you come to Karine Jean-Pierre. Did you know she's historic? She's the first black woman and lesbian to be the press secretary. She's terrible at the job, but don't pay any attention to that. She's black and gay. So it's pride month. So it even, you know, even thinking ill thoughts about how bad her performance is is a hate crime in the month of June. She, God, these people are nuts in the White House. You got John Kerry, no more drilling. We don't, doesn't matter how bad it gets. We can't backslide. Now, when they use words like that, we can't go back, we can't backslide. What does that implicitly mean now that I think about it? It means they're looking at the current situation, the inflated, unaffordable gas and oil, as progress. That's right, progress, because it is progress to them. Never forget that in 2008, Barack Obama said that under his plan, oil and gas prices, energy costs would necessarily skyrocket. Why? Because he wanted people to use less of it. Less of it. If you enjoy your house being 71 degrees while it's 95 degrees outside, you could probably get used to the house being 75 degrees. What I don't like 75 degrees. It doesn't matter. John Kerry, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, they all think you should. So you can just get used to it. Just like your house being 65 degrees in the winter instead of 70 degrees. It's not that big of a difference. You own a sweater, put a sweater on. And then that harkens back to the Carter presidency, which is, I know for a fact, a comparison, a reality that makes people in this White House cringe especially Joe Biden. He's very upset that he's less popular than even Jimmy Carter. Anyway, Karine Jean-Pierre yesterday or the other day was asked about oil companies and lowering gas prices. And, you know, production is the key to this. It's just common sense. Nope. She wants these oil companies to just basically eat it take a massive loss, violate. What's funny is they have a fiduciary duty, these, these CEOs and these company executives. They have a fiduciary duty. By law, they have to maximize within reason the profits that they can for their shareholders. The government is telling them, ah, take one for the team, eat it, which would be in direct violation of that fiduciary duty. And I guarantee you 
that this Justice Department under this hack, Merrick Garland, would be right there ready to prosecute him if any of them said, you know what, we're going to just uh, we're going to take a loss this quarter for the good of the country. No, no, that's not how it works. They'd be all fired, too, by the way. Listen to Karen Jean-Pierre saying it's patriotic if you you take a loss for the team. We are we are calling on them to do the right thing, to be patriots here uh, and not to use the war uh, as an excuse or as a as a reason uh, to not put to not put out a production, not to not do the capacity that is needed out there uh, so that the prices can so that the prices can come down. God, she's horrible at her job. She can't string together a coherent sentence even when reading it. She's reading it. She reads everything she says from that podium. Do the patriotic thing and not uh, do this and not do that and not do the other thing. Uh, They're not doing those other things. The government is causing the problems here. Remember that thousand acre lease up in Alaska that Joe Biden just canceled? That was where actual oil is, where they get, well, there are 9,000 leases out there. They're not really, yeah, they've explored and it's either too expensive because logistically there's no roads or anything uh, to get the oil out of there. Or there's no oil there. Just because you grant somebody a lease, you can, here's a lease, pay me a million dollars, I'll grant you a lease to drill in my backyard. Is there oil back there? Probably not. But uh, for a million dollars, you can have the right to explore it. And if you're not drilling in a month after you've explored and said there's no oil here, are you then not drilling specifically because you want gas prices high? Or are you going, it's, there's nothing there. They don't want you to know these things. They need you to remain ignorant because like viruses thrive in monkey kidneys. Democrats thrive in ignorance. They need that base. That Petri dish of ignorance is the only way democratic policies can ever be thought to work because they don't do it when you when you implement them. I want to shift gears here now. There's a new movie. I, I, if you have kids... You've been subjected to the Toy Story movies a billion times. Either you have them or you have the DVDs or you have them on streaming or you have a streaming service where they're on or they're on TV every time and you watch them there. You got them on your DVR. You can't escape the Toy Story movies. The kids go through, my kids go through phases of they're really, really into Minions and then they're not into Minions and you don't want to know. Toy Story is the the whole thing and they'll watch a movie and they want it on constantly and then they have no interest in it, whatever. Well, Toy Story was one of them where there's like mini movies and everything. They went crazy for it. They got all the toys and now there's a new movie coming out called Lightyear which tells the origin story of Buzz Lightyear, the character played by Tim Allen in the original movie. Some people are confused as to how this could the toy could have an origin story. It's a toy based off a movie, and this is the movie that the toy is supposedly based off of. Uh, the movie does not star Tim Allen. I don't know why they decided not to go with Tim Allen. Maybe the, the hyper-realism, or maybe they couldn't afford Tim Allen. Who the hell knows? They decided to go with Chris Evans. Although, who knows? Nobody's seen the movie, so maybe uh, Tim Allen makes a cameo as the doll. But he's just the voice of the doll, not the voice of the actor that the doll is based off of. The voice of that is Chris Evans, who is Captain America. Captain America is a big-time lefty in real life. Chris Evans is not real Captain America, although they, Marvel has sort of ruined the brand in the comic book. And I don't think they've had a gay Captain America yet or a trans Captain America yet. But I emphasize the word yet because you know it's coming. 
You just know it's coming. Anyway, Chris Evans is now doing the media for Lightyear. And in the movie Lightyear, expressly because, allegedly, although I don't know if they can animate that quickly, because of the, uh, but the story is, because of the Florida law that the left called the Don't Say Gay, they decided to put in a couple of gay characters, a couple of chicks who kiss. Now they're animated. I doubt it's like a long make-out session. It is a kid's movie. But they try and insert these things subtly into it. As a result, some conservative groups, some Christian groups are upset about this and they're not going to take their kids to it. Other a bigger reaction is that pretty much the Muslim world has banned the movie. I don't know that it'll be shown in China. We'll see. Or they'll probably edit that scene out for the benefit of China because they want that market. But Chris Evans was asked about this, and the people going, why are you inserting this crap into a kid's movie? And showing that he is um, not the best marketer in the world or that he doesn't give a damn. He must not have points on the back end. He must just have a straight salary. He went off and called everybody an idiot who uh, has a problem with bringing their five-year-old kid to watch two women kiss. Do something about representation or diversity or whatever. You sure. always push back. Um, I mean, what would you? I mean, how would you counter that? I suppose. Well, I mean, the real truth is those people are idiots. I mean, I think throughout history you can see every time there's been social advancement as we wake up. I mean, the 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 American story, the human story, is is one of constant social awakening and growth, and that's that's what that's what makes us good and and you know when that happens there's always going to be people who are uh afraid and uh uh unaware and and trying to hold on to what was before but those people die off like dinosaurs and so you know i think the the goal is to pay them no mind march forward and 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 embrace the growth that makes us human yeah those people die off like you know who else dies off like dinosaurs Gay couples, because they can't have babies. You know, if everybody went gay, everybody would die off like the dinosaurs because they wouldn't be able to have babies. But it's the idiot part that's getting uh, the attention. And why are they inserting this into a Toy Story? We don't know. It's just as a thumb in the eye, just because they can. We all heard those Disney tapes earlier in the year. We're shoving gay stuff into everything. The grooming the grooming. The grooming isn't just for, you know, everybody hears grooming. They think, oh, it's grooming so that they can perversely uh, violate these children. No, it's grooming to normalize things. I don't personally care that there's a, a, a lesbian kiss in light year. I would have probably taken my kids. I have a problem. I have a problem with Chris Evans saying anybody else is an idiot. Anybody who has a problem with it, anybody who looks at a kid's movie and says, why are you shoving this PCBS into a kid's movie? Oh, they're just idiots, and they're all going to die off. Well, not before your career does, Chris. And let's face it, if you look at Chris Evans' career, not a whole lot going on there outside of the Captain America movies, and now that they killed off Captain anymore, do it anymore, do it anymore. I love these people. You want to talk about the ultimate arrogance. 
you see this happen all the time where you got i've got this character it's made me a ton of money i'm wildly successful at it but i don't want to play it anymore i want to branch out and the audience goes we don't we don't care we're not we're not really interested in you we're interested in the actor we're interested we're not interested in the actor we're interested in the character we are interested in the character, period, end of story. Or be the character anymore. Be the character anymore. Fine, don't be the character anymore. It's your life, your choice, whatever. But I don't want to see you play an accountant. I don't want to see you play in anything. Right? Who gives a damn? You're Captain America. You don't want to be Captain America. It happens all the time with these people who get sick of it. If you look at it, it's a, it happened to... Um, what's his face? Uh... Ben, not Ben Affleck, the, uh, his, his, his friend, Matt Damon, Dennis, the born identity, the born identity. Yeah, he had done some other movies where he did okay, but he was the born identity, Jason Bourne. And then he's like, I don't want to be Jason Bourne anymore. I want to do gay serial killer movies or whatever, which, you know, The Talented Mr. Ripley is a great movie. But it's not, uh, it wasn't a massive box office success. Because why? Because people want to see him kicking butt. And so what happened? He made a bunch of movies that didn't do very well. Oh, hey, wait. Oh, hey, wait a second. Jason Bourne is Jason Bourne is back. Well, I thought he didn't want to be Jason Bourne anymore. <laughs> well, the thing about Matt Damon is, even though he's a big-time leftist socialist, he really enjoys money. And so for the right amount of money, he was able to go back and do something he didn't like. Hollywood is an absolute mess and a disgrace. And now this story from Variety. This one is what a Broadway. Tom Hanks, quote, straight actors could not, should, uh, could not play gay Philadelphia role today, and rightly so. That's the headline. Tom Hanks won his first Oscar for Best Actor thanks to Jonathan Demme's 1993 legal drama Philadelphia, in which he plays a gay man with HIV who is discriminated against at work. Now, almost 30 years later, Hanks says he or fellow straight actors would no longer be able to play the openly gay character at the heart of Philadelphia. Not that Hanks sees a problem with that change in mentality in Hollywood. Quote, Let's uh, address, could a straight man do what I did in Philadelphia now? No, and rightly so. The whole point of Philadelphia was don't be afraid. One of the reasons people weren't afraid of that movie is that I was playing a gay man. We're beyond that now, and I don't think people would accept the inauthenticity of a straight guy playing a gay guy. Okay. Well, then let's get rid of gay men playing straight men. I mean, it's wildly inauthentic, is it not? Is it not? Are the two lesbian voice actors, whoever it is in the movie Lightyear, are they really lesbians? Did they really kiss? Is that right to do? You remember a few years ago there was a movie about a trans... I don't even know which way it was going to go, trans woman or trans man, some kind of trans or whatever. And Scarlett Johansson signed on to play the role and to executive produce it, which means, you know, you're putting up some money or you're coming up, finding the money, whatever it is. And then what happened? The left went absolutely crazy. She's not really trans. No, she's not. She's a hot woman. So she's not trans. There's nothing going on down below that's unexpected or surprising. But they went absolutely crazy. And so she dropped out of the movie. She said, oh, okay, I guess I can't. And guess what happened? The whole movie went away. 
You know why? Because the only reason the movie was going to get made was because Scarlett Johansson agreed to be in it. The only reason Philadelphia was made is because Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington agreed to be in it. If it was two no-names, oh, you could have done a really authentic one. A really authentic, You could have had a real lawyer play the lawyer, and you could have had a real gay guy play the gay guy. And Antonio Banderas as the boyfriend, you could have got another gay guy. There, and it would have been wonderful. You never heard of any of them, and nobody would have ever heard of the movie. It would have been a small movie that maybe played in art houses. It might have even won an award at a festival or two. But nobody would have watched it. It was made because Tom Hanks was in it. Now he wants to sit there and make sure that nobody else can do it. It's ultimate in hypocrisy. Hollywood is full of a bunch of gay men playing straight characters. And Broadway is almost exclusively that. You're going to shut all that down, Tom? No. Why is tolerance only a one-way street? Okay, now I want to play you this montage of, because at any point now, as we're entering the middle of June toward the end of June, we're expecting the, well, we will get the Supreme Court decisions on all the cases, particularly abortion. And so the left has gone absolutely crazy. Every day out there protesting at the houses of uh, Supreme Court justices in clear and obvious violation of federal law, but Merrick Garland, the attorney general, simply doesn't give a damn. And uh, as such, as they march around the streets of Washington, some people have gone in and decided to ask some questions about, because these women are, my body, my choice. Who do you think you are? It's my body, my choice. Now, uh, not to be too rude, but most of the people you see at these rallies um, how can I put this gingerly? Nobody wants their bodies. All right? <laughs> Just figure out why. Nobody wants it. It's all right. You're not really at risk here of get, of pregnancy. But okay, you're angry as hell about it. But okay, probably angry that somebody else is having relations and you're not. But that's okay. That's okay. Anyway, um, they had one bodily autonomy rally, the pro-abortion rally. A reporter for the Daily Caller went into the crowd and asked some basic questions of the people who were particularly holding signs and screaming about bodily autonomy. Got their take on that and then asked them, you're into bodily autonomy, how about the vaccines? And it's just a periodic reminder that these people are horrible frauds and hypocrites and it's worth revisiting every once in a while lest you forget. Listen to It's a little bit long, but listen to this montage. What's important is bodily autonomy, the same right men have always had. We just want equal rights. The right to govern our own bodies, just like men have always had. It's that simple. Do you support the right for people to not get the COVID vaccine? It's irrelevant. Right? My body, my choice. You're right. It's not irrelevant. Yeah, but one saves lives. Right. It's one not irrelevant. One of them is going to be in a pandemic state, right? A state of emergency, which we all know laws change during a state of emergency. Do you agree with the, the statement or the, the principle of my body, my choice? Yes, absolutely. Bodily autonomy is a human right. Healthcare is a human right. Um, access to healthcare should be, not be something that is dictated by the Supreme Court. During the pandemic, did you support people's right to not get the COVID vaccine? It's a difficult conversation. Do you support bod bodily autonomy in other situations? For example, the COVID vaccine.
vaccine mandates. The, the vaccine mandates, we've been mandated to get vaccines for years and years and years. So you do support in that situation people not having control of their bodies? That's not, that's not having not control of your bodies. Like, I don't understand. Do you think it is important for people to have medical and health control of their own body? Uh, yeah, it's good for them. It's good for everybody. You didn't support the mandates? I did. I do support the mandates, yeah. Isn't that mandate that people have to get the vaccine so they don't have control over their own body? Uh, vaccinations are good for people. But in that case, you don't have control, right, if there's a mandate? No, they don't have to get it. They just, uh, just can't go anywhere or do anything, right? They just can't have a job. You don't have a right to a job. Everybody should have a right to do what they want with their bodies. <laughs> do you support the pe people's right to choose not to get the COVID vaccine? Um, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not uh, doing that. No, no. It's on full display right there. The shamelessly going, uh, hypocrisy, what are you going to do? Hypocrisy, what are you going to do? you got to love that. Uh, I just love, I love the exposure of that. These people are such total and complete fraud. My body might just, just tell us, it's, you just want abortion. Okay, you don't have to pretend that it's some deeper cause that, oh, it's about rights and fundamental. No, because the second you have the option to go in the, you know, to, to keep that same principle going, and it's something your party doesn't support, it immediately goes out the window. So you just say, you know what, I don't care about body autonomy. I just want abortion. That's it. I just want abortion, more abortion. Let's have a lot of abortion. The more abortion, the merrier. It'll be great. It'll be awesome. Let's just have, keep having more and more abortions. And then I'd at least have some respect for you. And they say, well, no, I don't, I don't want you to be able to do that. It's about control. I don't want you to have control over abortion, but I want to have control over you. All right? If you just admit that, we could go about our business. I mean, I don't know who's going to go about any business with any of these people. But if you just admit that, you go, all right, well, that's your opinion. You're allowed to have it. Nobody's going to tell you anything. But at least you're not hypocritical about it. You'd think that one of these people would come to that conclusion and just say, you know what? I don't care. I don't care. I want abortions on demand everywhere. And I want you to pay for it. I don't care about the moral, religious, professional, any sort of repercussions, ramifications, nothing. I don't give a damn about any of it. To hell with it all. I want abortion. I would have a lot of, for Bernie Sanders, for example, is a nut. He's a lunatic. He even does the abortion thing. and It is a woman's right to choose. He, no, because then he comes to vaccines and he's the same way. But on most things, he just is right out there. Like, I don't care how unpopular this is. I don't care how much you don't like it. I don't want this or I want to tax everybody at 100% and take all the money. You're nuts. You're evil. But at least you're honest, right? These people are not honest. They got the nuts and the evil part down. But the honest part has gone the way of the dodo, or as Chris Evans said, the way of the dinosaur. <laughs> These people are just so damn stupid. They don't, that they don't see this coming is what's amazing to me. They don't, they don't see it, and they're so unprepared for the basic question. That's what makes it absolutely hilarious to me. Anyway, to me. So since we're talking about uh, abortion, I want to play you this clip of Nancy Pelosi. It's really, um, <laughs> it's something to behold. She's very Catholic. Very, very. Just ask her. Just ask her how Catholic she is. I mean, don't, 
don't look at what she does. Don't look at, I mean, I guess, eh, should I, I don't know, I want to mention the reports that are published about her husband's uh, love of the ladies and maybe they're not getting divorced because they're so Catholic. But no, I don't want to, I don't want to mention that. That would be in poor taste. So uh, let's just talk about how Catholic Nancy Pelosi is. See, there's been a rash of attacks on crisis pregnancy centers across the country that offer, you know, counsel adoptive services. So you go to a Planned Parenthood and all they want to do is get you to have an abortion. That's it. That's where they make their money. That's, that's boom. That's their industry. They don't even offer any prenatal care at all at Planned Parenthood. That's how pathetic they are. So uh, you got this situation where the Catholic Church, pretty unambiguously, despite Nancy's best spin and Joe Biden, another devout Catholic's best spin, they don't pussyfoot around about abortion, at least not yet. Abortion is wrong, the Catholic Church. As a devout Catholic, Nancy Pelosi knows this, and Nancy Pelosi refuses to accept it which therefore doesn't make her a devout Catholic. It makes her a non-devout Catholic. It makes her a Catholic in name only. You don't get to choose which parts of church dogma you want to separate. No matter how you choose to justify the bifurcation of your personal and and public beliefs, you don't really get to... uh, get to make that case, especially when, you know, you say you're devout Catholic, but you don't want to bring your religion to your work. You never once talk about the sanctity of life. You never once talk about how abortion is murder or anything like that. She just doesn't go down that road because she's a fraud. That's the word I'm looking for, fraud. Well, she was asked, and this really illustrates how big of a fraud she is. She was asked about the rash of attacks on crisis pregnancy centers and religious institutions that counsel young women against abortions, that facilitate adoptions. She's asked by my friend Carrie Pickett over at the Washington Times. That's the beginning of this. And her answer never actually addresses the problem. She refuses to condemn the terrorist attacks on crisis pregnancy centers. She doesn't give a damn. She doesn't. Just... Let's listen. And then she goes off on how Catholic she is. She's super Catholic. You can tell she's so Catholic by the way that she rejects Catholic teachings. There has been a number of attacks on, uh, on, on churches, on uh, crisis pregnancy centers. Republicans are going after Democrats for not saying anything, and they're saying that that your rhetoric is contributing to these attacks on these crisis pregnancies. Well, let me just say this. A woman has a right to choose to live up to her responsibility. It's up to her, her doctor, her family, her husband, her her significant other, and her God. Uh, This talk of politicizing all of this, I think, is something uniquely American and not right. Other countries, Ireland, Italy, Mexico, have had legislative initiatives uh, to expand a woman's right uh, to choose very Catholic countries. I'm a very Catholic person, and I believe in every woman's right to make her own decisions. Very, I am very, very Catholic. So Catholic, in fact, that I would uh, have an abortion right now if I could. That's how Catholic I am. Boy, howdy, do I love 
Catholicism, except for the parts that I disagree with, which I ignore completely because they're wildly inconvenient for me politically. Yes, but uh, super duper, ooper, pooper scooper Catholic right here, Nancy Pelosi. I, you got to love these. I'm so Catholic. I'm so I'm so Catholic. I'm full circle that I'm I'm so Catholic. I'm atheist now. That's how Catholic I am. Okay, congratulations, congratulations, congratulations. Uh, next, we come to Jamie Harrison. Jamie Harrison is the chairman of the Democratic National Committee. He is a failed candidate for Senate in South Carolina. He got his rear end handed to him by uh, Lindsey Graham after the last election down there in 2020. It wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. It was embarrassing for him. Oh, the left was saying, he's got a chance to win. He's got a chance to win. He didn't have a chance to win. It was embarrassing. So Democrats said, well, we need somebody, probably a black guy, to be the face of the party. Let's make Jamie Harrison do that. Stacey Abrams wants to be governor, so she can't do it. So let's get Jamie Harrison up there. And they made him chairman of the party. You failed your way to the top. Congratulations, Jamie Harrison. And he continues to fail while there. He's recently on a podcast talking about how... Important it is to vote, and when voting happens in various states. And then they asked him a very simple question. Did you vote? Because South Carolina just had their primary. Did you vote in the primary? And he had, I, I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. <laughs> the cause the host to give him a bunch of crap because he deserves a bunch of crap. Yeah, we got yep. South Carolina primary today. So uh, who are you? So how does the DNC in that case like that? Because Mia McLeod is. We stayed the hell out of it until this, the, the primate, the voters have made their choices. And then we work with uh, who they choose. Who you voted. Did you vote in South Carolina early? Well, South Carolina is, uh, uh, Karen, this is the one thing I was supposed to get back home to South Carolina um, uh, today to vote. Wait, hold on. The DNC did not, yeah. the DNC, the head of the DNC did not vote in his own state today well, well it's because i couldn't you could have voted early you I don't know what's gonna happen vote. see that's no, what that's how this happens y'all when when 20 30 million people sit home is because they think they're gonna be able to vote and there's all this early voting there's early voting there was early voting in south I carolina love Jamie Harrison. I love early voting early voting they're fighting the democrats are fighting we need early voting we need all the early voting we can get so as to not disenfranchise people now, now it's not Jamie Harrison was not disenfranchised. He disenfranchised himself. Nobody did it to him. You're sitting there going, oh, no, it's, what, does that make Jamie Harrison a racist against Jamie Harrison? How does this work? I'm unclear as to how this works. <laughs> I couldn't. I just didn't have time. I didn't have time to vote. It's tough to vote. It's hard out there. I'm traveling for the part. Oh, really? You fight for uh, and talk about the importance of early voting, and you don't avail yourself of it. Now, he, Jamie Harrison, like I said, he failed his way into this job. So it's not like the members of the Democratic National Committee will go, dude. You you, you can't be chairman of the party. You can't be chairman of the... You didn't vote. You can't be chairman of the party. They're not going to say that. He wasn't given the job based on merit or his ability or anything like that anyway. So he's just out there willing to call Republicans Nazis, and that's all you need out of a DNC chairman. He checks a couple of the victimhood boxes, and he lies. So good for him. 
And he didn't vote, though. That I find absolutely hilarious. I hope that more Democrats follow his lead and decide, I'm not going to vote. Stay home, Democrats. Stay home. All right, that's about enough for today. I should say tomorrow we'll be back with another exciting episode. Fear not, I have not forgotten. We have a winner. Uh, the winner, it's a two-signer. It's a two-signer. Somebody wins the Joe the Plumber and the Jim Garrity Cam Edwards. So it's actually a three-free. You get three autographs in two books. Ed Musial. Different spelling than Stan the Man Musial, I believe. But in any event, I'm going to pronounce it roughly the same way and congratulate Ed on the victory. And uh, so check your messages through Patreon or if you wait too long, I find you, track you down somewhere in my email. I've got your email address. And I track you down that way. But uh, congratulations to you, Ed. Now, uh, this week's contest, that means Dennis Leary's coming back. Dennis Leary, wildly popular. People want the Dennis Leary. And I thought, well, we've got to match him up with somebody who's also wildly popular. And it's Mike Huckabee. That's right. Mike Huckabee's hardcover edition of God's Guns, Grits, and Gravy. That guy's weight balloons more than mine. But uh, I think he got off the gravy part, at least. I don't know about grits. Because uh, he looks much better with a beard. Way better with a beard. So autographed Mike Huckabee or autographed Dennis Leary, your choice. Go to DerekHunter.Locals.com or Patreon.com slash DerekHunterPodcast. Comment on the post where you see the pictures of the books with the pictures of the autographs. And I said, why do I feel like I'm sounding like Bill Cosby without the rape? The pictures of the books without the pictures of the autographs. You make sure you take the the, the quaalude and you put the quaalude in the drink. Blah, blah. Anyway, uh, enter there. It's all self-explanatory. Just write a note, comment that says, hey, I want this one. And if your name is drawn by one of my kids, you get that one. It's pretty damned simple. Appreciate you listening. Have a great Monday. We'll be back here tomorrow. 